Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, college football is back. It is officially Labor Day weekend. Last week we had the little appetizer with week zero, but this weekend it's all the way back. And I could not be more excited for it. We've got a big time Saturday slate of college football DFS on DraftKings and FanDuel for this Saturday, September 2nd. And so on this episode, we are going to break down that slate the best we can. We're going to take a look at all the games and tell you the best games and situations that you need to be targeting. And then we're going to look at each position, quarterback, running back, and wide receiver, and talk about who you need to be putting in your DFS lineups and how you can best construct your roster this week to make some cash on DraftKings or FanDuel. Now, if you are new to the YouTube channel, please hit the like button for this video and please hit that subscribe button. You'll be notified when new episodes drop. Like all of our weekly college football, NFL, and golf content that's going to be coming to you all season long. Now, I do hope to preview the Saturday night slate as well. A little bit of personal information. I'm currently on Baby Watch. My wife is 40 weeks pregnant, so I'm getting to record this episode tonight. But, you know, if she ends up going into labor or, you know, we end up getting called into the hospital, um, I might not end up doing the Saturday night preview. So be, be on the lookout for that. But if you don't get one, just wanted to make sure you guys knew the reason why. Now, I will say this also, this little caveat. So college football is a little bit different from NFL. If, if you've never played college football DFS, it's certainly different. College football DFS, especially in week one, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of wild cards. There's a lot of situations that could be very volatile. I have put in a lot of research into finding all the information out that you're going to see on this episode, but I'm not going to have all the answers. And there's going to be the random guy that I've never heard of who's going to go off for 100 yards and three touchdowns on Saturday. And so this this episode is about getting to you guys the best information that I have. I hope that it is accurate, but I cannot guarantee that everything on this episode is going to happen set in stone. We see it happen every year in week one, and we saw it happen in week zero as well with some unknowns going off. But I'm going to try to help you find those unknowns. And so in this episode, we're going to break everything down for you and tell you who you need to be starting your lineups off with. Let's go ahead and kick things off by looking at the slate of games and telling you the situations you need to be looking at and the games you need to be targeting. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. So one thing that I found really interesting for this week one slate was just kind of the slate construction by FanDuel and DraftKings in terms of what games they chose to highlight for you know their Saturday DFS offerings. And so on FanDuel, you have a longer slate that's occurring over a longer period of time, but they got all the best games. Like it's really just kind of the juggernauts, you know, on the FanDuel slate. Whereas on DraftKings, we end up with a lot of games where we've got some really good FBS teams, some powerhouses that are going up against FCS teams. And so one thing that you end up with in those games is there's no betting lines on them. So we don't really have like great point totals that we can rely on for those games. But you're going to probably see some pretty big time blowouts in those games. And so you're going to see some offenses that put up a lot of points. But I always advise if you're looking to play blowouts in DFS college football and college football DFS that you need to make sure that it's a guy who can get home in a blowout like a guy who has a track record of oh he had did well in blowouts last year you know he's done well in blowouts earlier in the season whatever it may be um, because what you don't want to have happen is to play a running back thinking oh it's gonna be a blowout he's gonna get all the carries and then in the first half he has like seven carries for 71 yards and no touchdowns and then he doesn't play in the second half because the game's all out of hand you want to make sure that the guy's game fits the profile of somebody who can play well in a blowout it also means you can just randomly play backups that are going to come in at super low cost 
cost and super low ownership and just hope to get lucky that one of those backups breaks a long touchdown for one of these juggernaut teams. It's There's all kinds of strategies to it. But for the record, the offenses that are going up against FCS teams that are all three pretty good offenses are Oregon, Ole Miss, and Notre Dame. Now, from there, let's break down the individual games themselves that you might want to look at. So, really, there's not a whole lot of competitive games this Saturday, or at least in the early slate this Saturday, but there's a lot of teams that are projected to score a lot of points individually. The first of which is Michigan. Michigan's 35.5-point favorites against East Carolina, and they're implied about 43 points in that game. Um, so if Michigan's going to be putting up 43 points, you got to imagine that there's going to be a few guys that are going to hit value from that team. Tennessee is next up. They're 27 and a half point favorites against Virginia, which means that they are implied 42 total points in that game. TCU is 20 and a half point favorites against Colorado or Colorado. And with the total being 63 and a half, they are implied about 42 points in that game. I just tried to combine the words total and Colorado and end up with Colorado. <laughs> Forgive me for that one, y'all. The next team that I want to talk about is Oklahoma, who is 36 and a half point favorites against Arkansas State. That line has actually moved. It was 34 and a half earlier in the day. And they are implied about 46 points against Arkansas State. And then you've also got Auburn, who is 35 point favorites against UMass. And they are implied 44 points in this game. And then you've also got the Texas Long Horns, my team, the Texas Longhorns, who are 35 and a half point favorites against Rice, and uh, that they are implied 47 total points in that game. Now, the most competitive game that should see some scoring in it is the Boise State Washington game. Washington is 14 and a half point favorites, and the total in this one is 58 and a half. That gives you a projected score of about 36 to 22 Washington. So you're looking at a fairly competitive game where both teams are projected to score over 20 points. That might be one that you want to target with some guys in your lineups. As I will say time and time again throughout the season, the more points are scored in a game means the more fantasy points are going to be scored in a game. So you definitely want to make sure that you target some of these guys on the teams that are projected over 40 points and just hope that if they get to 40, your guy scored two or three of the touchdowns to get them there. All right, so now let's go ahead and start the position by position breakdown. So let's go ahead and talk quarterback. And we got to talk about the guy who is at the very top of the board in his 17th year of college football. And that is Bo Nix. I'm kidding. I don't think it's actually his 17th year. I think it's more like his ninth. So Bo Nix is a top price quarterback on the board. And for good reason, he was really good last year. He averaged 31.8 fantasy points per game, but he was also great in blowouts last year. When Oregon blew teams out like Eastern Washington, like Stanford, like Arizona, it was usually because Bo Nix was doing the damage himself. In fact, he scored over 30 points in every single blowout win for Oregon last season. So I feel pretty confident that Bo Nix is is going to be able to get you to that total. Just know that he is going to be pretty highly owned in DFS. Now, another thing that I want to go ahead and get out of the way, because it is week one with college football DFS, ownership matters a little less in college football DFS than it does for other sports. There's going to be some guys who are very chalky in college football DFS. And so I'm not saying to play all those guys, but if you play the right chalk, then you're going to be in the right spot. Sometimes when you look at a winning lineup at the end of the day, it's very rarely a lineup that plays no chalk or a lineup that plays all chalk. It's a lineup that played the right chalk. And so Bo Nix is a guy that I think might be the right chalk. He averages over 30 points in blowout games. He is the top quarterback on the board. He is a sure thing, and he's going to be in a lot of lineups. I have no problem starting my lineup with Bo Nix for this Saturday's slate. 
Now, I'll be honest, I'm kind of good on Kyle McCord. Um, we don't really have a big sample size to go off of his college career um, because he's been the backup to C.J. Stroud, but I just don't really like how this is shaping up for him, if I'm being honest. Ryan Day has indicated that Devin Brown is going to play some snaps, and so why would I go ahead and roll the dice on Kyle McCord if Devin Brown plays like two series and throws two touchdowns on both of them, and that's two touchdowns that Kyle McCord could have had, and now the game's a blowout and he's not playing anyway. It, it just seems like a proposition that I'm not really here for, and Ohio State should be able to get their run game going against Indiana. They're going to have an advantage in the trenches, so I just don't really think this is the best spot to deploy Kyle McCord, but I think down in the future, this offense is going to put up plenty of points. Kyle McCord's probably going to make his way into my lineups at some point this season, just not here in week one. Now, another guy who is in his ninth year of college football is Sam Hartman, now of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And I got to be honest, Hartman was really good in week zero. Like if you watch that game, he was just like spectacular. Like he's exactly what Notre Dame fans have been hoping for um, ever since Ian Book graduated. They kind of been without a great quarterback and Sam Hartman is that guy. Like he was legit in that matchup against Navy. Unfortunately though, I don't think that this game is the best path to a lot of fantasy points for him. I think Hartman, when you look at his career at Wake Forest, he scored the best in shootouts, games where both teams were going up and down the field trading points with each other as opposed to a game where his team scored in the 40s and the other team did not. So I don't think it's necessarily the best game flow for Sam Hartman. And I could... I honestly kind of think it's ditto for J.J. McCarthy and Dylan Gabriel as well. I might be playing these guys in like one or two of my lineups, but they're not going to be mainstays in my lineup. I would rather pay for Bo Nix, a guy who has a history of getting home in blowouts, as opposed to three guys who their history seems to be better when they're in shootouts as opposed to blowouts. And yes, there is a difference between a shootout and a blowout. Blowout, one team is scoring a lot of points. Shootout, both teams are scoring a lot of points. Now, a guy that we got to talk about, another guy that's surely to be popular, but I'm kind of in on him, is Joe Milton of the Tennessee Volunteers. He is a Michigan transfer who literally has one of the biggest arms I've ever seen in college football. Like he just has probably the most velocity like on a football that I've seen a college quarterback throw in a long, long time. And he looked pretty good last year when he got to start. Um, Hendon Hooker was the quarterback last year for Tennessee. He was outstanding. He averaged almost 30 fantasy points a game. He was that good. But Joe Milton last year in his one like big start against Clemson did put up 22 fantasy points. And so I kind of think that knowing what Hooker did and knowing what Milton did at his only start, you can kind of project for Milton to kind of do the same again this year. And it's a pretty good matchup against Virginia. Tennessee plays at a super up-tempo pace. So you know they're going to get plenty of plays and plenty of possessions. And, and so I'm kind of buying Joe Milton for this slate. And I think he's got a lot of potential stacking partners. More on that when we get to the wide receivers. But Joe Milton is one of my favorite quarterbacks on the slate. Now, if we are talking about pure talent as a quarterback, Michael Penix Jr. is every bit as good as all the guys that I've mentioned so far, but he's priced down much cheaper. And why is that? Because he's going up against the best defense of all the guys we've talked about so far. You know, he's not playing an FCS competition or like a middling power five or group of five team that's probably not going to see a bowl game. He's playing Boise State, who's, you know, a pretty good program. And 
I'm kind of still in on him, though, because when you look at it, they're still implied 36 points. That's like one touchdown less than like all the other teams that we've named. And so I don't think that that difference is that big enough for the discrepancy in price. And he showed last year that he is a pretty consistent fantasy option. He can put up fantasy points in all types of games, blowout wins, shootouts, losses. Like it does not matter. Michael Penix Jr. can put up fantasy points in bunches. And so I'm kind of buying his price dip as opposed to some of these other guys. If you don't want to start off your lineup with Bo Nix, you can very easily go down to Joe Milton or Michael Penix and save the salary that you can use elsewhere. Now, there are a few other quarterbacks that I got to talk about. Um, the, I would consider these more on the value um, kind of tag, not, not really like the big spenders at the quarterback position. These are more value plays. Quinn Ewers is one of them. The mulleted one it is looking to be the starter again for Texas, and Quinn Ewers has got some competition. Both Malik Murphy and Arch Manning are trying to unseat him for his job, and so Quinn Ewers has got to come out and play well, or it probably won't be his job for that long. Last year, Quinn Ewers was up and down. He had some really good games. He had some not so good games. But one thing that I do want to consider this is Texas is implied for over 40 points in this one. And there's no B. John Robinson to run the ball anymore. So Texas might be a little bit more pass happy. Now, does that mean that Ewers is going to be able to get home? It, it absolutely could. My one concern is last year in one blowout win against UL Monroe, he had 15 points. But in the other blowout win against Oklahoma, he had 28 points. So you're kind of a little bit hit and miss with Ewers based off his history at Texas. But in terms of the situation he's in for the price tag, I would not mind going to Quinn Ewers here on this first Saturday slate. Plus, you got to think with Texas – Big matchup against Alabama coming up in a week. They want to make sure that they are right before that game. Like They want to make sure that they're playing good football and that they get things right. And so what better way to do that than by their quarterback to go out and have a really big game against Rice? Taylor Green of Boise State is another guy that we got to talk about. For whatever reason, he's the second highest priced Boise State quarterback. I've not seen anything that indicates he's not starting, which is I don't get why he's the second price quarterback. I just don't. And he was really good last year as the Boise starter. He flashed a lot of upside. He had four games over 30 fantasy points. And if this game does turn into a shootout against Washington, then Taylor Green is going to be the reason why. He can do it with his legs as well as his arm, which gives him even more upside. And if you think this Boise State-Washington game turns into a true shootout, I would have no problem going with Penix Jr. and Taylor Green and a couple of receivers and just hoping that those are the guys that end up getting home. And I think that could be a viable strategy this week. I think this game is the one that is the most likely one to turn into a shootout. Now, in terms of the true bargain bin quarterbacks, um, there are a few that intrigue me a little bit. So some of these FCS and like low-level FBS quarterbacks are, you know, priced down pretty low because, yeah, they're going to get blown out. But like if they're playing a bad defense, like they might still be able to come through with two or three touchdowns for you. And so the first one that stands out to me is Dante Chacheri. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. I do apologize to Dante if I'm saying it wrong, but he's only $5,700. He's the quarterback for Portland State going up against Oregon. Oregon's not exactly a great defense, and Chicherry had a really good year last year against the FCS competition, so I, th I think he might be worth a roll of the dice, and maybe that game turns into a little bit of a shootout. And then also Tony Musket of UVA going up against Tennessee. The Tennessee secondary was one that we targeted like all year last year, and it paid dividends for us almost every time. And so, you know, I don't think he's necessarily going to be a very good quarterback, but if he's going up against a bad defense and he's going to see a high volume of passes, why not roll him out? I, I think he's got a chance to hit value for you. 
All right, that does it for the quarterback position. So let's go ahead and switch on over to the running backs. All right, so at the running back position, the one thing that we really want to target, especially in early season college football, is workload. And so you want to find guys who are listed as the starter for their team or have a history of starting for their team and are not going to be in a committee and are going to be on a team that is going to look to run the football either because that's what they do or because the flow of the game is going to dictate that. So I'll be honest. There's a few guys that fit that description that we're going to have those opportunities that we want this week, but the pricing on DraftKings is really weird. Pricing on FanDuel is really weird. On FanDuel, it's like they saw Texas running back and assumed it was B. John Robinson again and put Jonathan Brooks up there at the top. Well, I hate to break it to you, Jonathan Brooks is not B. John Robinson. Nobody's B. John Robinson for that matter. But anyway, I find the pricing on DraftKings just as confusing. So you're looking at the top running back on the board being Travion Henderson of Ohio State. And this is not a slight against Travion because he's a very good running back, but he is in a committee with mine Williams. And they're both going to see a lot of carries in this game against Indiana. The good news is, is that Ohio State played in six, what I would classify as blowout games last season, meaning they won it by more than 25 points. And in those games, Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams were both collectively really good. In fact, in Every single one of those blowout games, one of the two of them scored over 20 fantasy points, except for the Toledo game, which is really weird because Toledo got 77 points hung up on them, and just all the touchdowns just didn't happen to go to the running backs. So in blowout wins, pretty much history tells us that either Henderson or Williams is going to get to 20 fantasy points. Which one? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. I mean, DraftKings seem to think that it's Travion Henderson, but Mayan Williams has just as good a history as, as Travion Henderson does. And so I, I think it's an interesting pricing to put Henderson all the way at the top, but I definitely don't mind playing one of those Ohio State running backs in my lineups this week. Now, the other guys at the top of the board, Marquez Cooper is a transfer from Kent State to Ball State, which if there's ever been a lateral transfer in the history of college football, that would be a lateral transfer. Um, you know, still in the MAC, I believe he went from Ohio to Kentucky, but that's two equal quality schools. Um, he's probably going to see a big workload, but he's going up against an SEC defense. Hard pass for me on that one. Uh, I'll play him when Maction comes around in November. Audric Estime against... Um, or of Notre Dame, excuse me, going up against Tennessee State, I think is in a really good spot. So last week, we get we got to see how the Notre Dame offense would work in a blowout. And Estimate got 16 carries for 95 yards and a touchdown and was targeted a few times in the passing game against Navy. So I kind of like how that sets up for Estimate. He should be able to do the same thing against Tennessee State. And I think he might be able to break off some explosive runs against this Tennessee State defense. So I don't think Estimate is in a bad spot. I think there's other backs that might have the same ceiling is estimate, but estimate's got a really high floor because of how this Notre Dame offense works and the sheer amount of points that they're projected to score. Now, a situation that I want to avoid is the Oklahoma running back room. And no, it's not because I'm a Texas fan and I'm biased against Oklahoma, um, but I just don't really like how they're kind of handling this position right now. On their depth chart, it appears that this is going to be a committee of four guys at the running back position. You've got Matthew Major, who was their back, or I'm sorry, Marcus Major, who was their backup last year um, to Eric Gray. You've got Gavin Sawchuk, who was one of the breakout stars of their bowl game. And then you've got 
Tawee Walker and Javante Barnes as well. And for whatever reason, Javante Barnes is priced at seven grand. And so I just don't really know what to make of this situation. I'm of the mindset that I'll kind of let it play out in week one and get back to one of these guys next week. However, if everybody knows that this is a committee, then not a whole lot of people are going to play these guys. And so you might get one of these guys at super low ownership. And one of these guys might end up having a breakout game. And so I don't think that they make for bad DFS plays for that reason. I think they make for very risky DFS plays. I will probably not be playing them, but I just wanted to give you guys the heads up that this is a likely committee with four low-owned options that you can put into your lineup. And maybe you get lucky and pick the right one this week for the Oklahoma Sooners. Now, Blake Corum of Michigan, Heisman Trophy candidate, is probably going to be the highest owned running back on the slate. Um, he was absolute dynamite last year, uh, averaging 25 fantasy points a game, right up there with my beloved B. John Robinson. And he is at a cheaper price tag than like 10 other running backs. He's at $6,900 on DraftKings. I don't know why they put him so low, quite frankly. He should at least be about 8,000, which is what he was last year. So last year, Corm was like insanely good. He didn't score below 50, 15 fantasy points in a game that he started and finished last year. So pretty much you can just pencil in Blake Corm for 15 fantasy points. Now, what is of slight concern is that his two worst games were in their huge non-conference blowout wins against Colorado State and Hawaii. But I mean, he didn't really get a whole lot of opportunity in that game. He only scored one touchdown. He had not, uh, averaged 11 carries in those two games. Um, maybe if the game this week's a little closer for a little longer, he might get more carries and might have a monster performance, but he has a super high floor. Everybody's going to play him at what I believe is a super cheap price tag. Now, a guy that we also got to talk about is George Helani of Boise State. There's a few red flags on this guy for me. First off, it's not an easy matchup against Washington. But second off, he didn't do so hot against good competition last year. Against non-Mountain West competition last year, excluding FCS teams. So pretty much you're looking at FBS, non-Mountain West. He averaged 10 fantasy points per game exactly in those games. And that's not going to cut it out of a guy who's $6,800 on DraftKings. So George Halani is a pass for me this week. After Halani, we've got two guys that are going to be popular in Braden Allen of Wisconsin, Braylon Allen of Wisconsin, I should say, and then Quinshawn Judkins of Ole Miss. Judkins ended the season on an absolute tear for the running Rebels. He ended the season with seven straight games of 20-plus carries, and that was with sharing Kevin or sharing carries with NFL draftee for the Los Angeles Rams, Zach Evans. And I don't see a Zach Evans on Ole Miss's depth chart right now. So Quinshawn Jenkins has less competition for carries than he did when he was averaging 25 per game. This Ole Miss team loves to run the football, and now they have a matchup against Mercer, an FCS team who is going to be blatantly outmatched in this game. I could see Quinshawn Jenkins going for 200 yards if he's able to get enough opportunities to do so. Now the Texas running backs. While they are both incredibly expensive on FanDuel, they stand out to me as insane value plays on DraftKings. So we've got the two Texas running backs, Cedric ba Baxter and Jonathan Brooks. So Cedric Baxter is the guy that everybody on the 40 acres is calling the next Bijan Robinson. Well, if you'll remember, Bijan Robinson didn't really start as a freshman until the second half of his freshman year. Right now, CJ Baxter is listed as the second running back on the depth chart. His pure talent... Um, I believe he's going to be able to um, 
you know, kind of, you know, get some carries in this game and, and be a productive back. But Jonathan Brooks looks like he's going to be the lead back for the Texas Longhorns, at least at the start of the season. And the good news is, is he has slight bit of experience doing this. Against Washington last year, he did have 19.5 fantasy points in his only game as a starter, um, where B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson both sat out. In this game against Rice, where um, it's probably going to be a blowout for the Longhorns, uh, I could definitely see Baxter getting some carries in the second half because of you know him being a freshman and they want to get him some reps. But I could also see both of these running backs scoring 15 to 20 fantasy points. That's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. I, I think you can play both of them with confidence. I think Brooks will be a little bit higher owned, but I think they both make for solid plays. Now, heading on down the board, y'all, I'm not going to lie to you. The cheap running back is not where... I want to try to make my hay this week. Like I really think this week I want to make sure I invest in running backs that either have a guaranteed opportunity or a pathway to a lot of opportunity this week. And so some of these super cheap running backs, they're just not it. They're either backups or they're first string on, you know, FCS teams that are probably going to be throwing the ball because they're down 21 in the second quarter. So I'm just not really in on a whole lot of these cheap running backs. Um, a few that I do want to point out is Dylan Johnson of Washington. Um, he's at 5,200 hours on DraftKings. He is listed as the starter. Um, and I mean, He's got a matchup against Boise State's a non-power five team, and I think he could have a chance to do well in this game. Um, Washington's going to score a lot of points. If you don't want to play Penix Jr., you think the ground game's going to get home, Dylan Johnson would be a guy you could play. Imani Bailey of TCU is listed as the starter, um, and I, I think there's certainly much worse options than that, um, You know, given that TCU is 20-point favorites against Colorado. Another guy that I do want to highlight, I neglected to mention him when I was talking about Blake Corum, but Donovan Edwards. If you think that a lot of people are going to play Blake Corum and maybe Corum doesn't hit value, then Donovan Edwards would be the guy that you would want to target. He was pretty solid as a one-two punch for Blake Corum last year. I would expect him to be that again this year. And if you're looking to kind of, you know, maybe make a pure pivot play off of Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards might just be that guy. Now, a very cheap running back situation that might have a chance to be okay this week, and I'm speaking relative terms for their price tags, is Utah State. So I don't know how good I was going to be, but they're going to have a decent pass defense. And so maybe the way to beat this Iowa team might be to try to run on them. And Briggs Jr. and Booth are listed as the co-starters. Um, so, you know, they're both under $4,000 on DraftKings. Might it be an opportunity to play a guy who's super cheap, who ends up getting you 10 to 15 fantasy points? You might have a chance with one of those two. All right, so that does it for the running back position. But I did want to mention this. If you want more from me, if you want to know who I am actually playing in my DFS lineups this Saturday and beyond, there's a few places you can find that stuff out. First off, follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. I'm going to be tweeting out some additional analysis as we get depth chart and injury updates throughout the rest of the week, as well as giving my DFS rundown for every slate for college football. And then I'm also talking in the Fantasy Corner Discord. We've got a lot of guys who play a lot of DFS in there, and we have a channel for every sport. College football has been popping in there lately, and we you had a lot of solid discussion on the week zero slate, and we're looking to keep that up week one and beyond. And lastly, I do write 
but I don't write for free. On my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. I'm going to go ahead and get rid of this typo right here. Patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Um, I do write a full article for every Saturday slate where I break down ownership, lineup construction, my favorite plays, games to target, all that stuff in one long-form article. If you want to just know who my core is and who to play, that would be the best place to find me. Now, also, if you're looking, if you're new to DFS or you're new to, you know, like maybe player prop sites or you want to get on the, the sports book action on some of these over-unders, head on over to signupexpert.com slash Mike's Picks. We are partnered with Signup Expert. And what Signup Expert is, is they compile the best offers and promo codes for new users at all these types of sites. And so if you head on over to my page, signupexpert.com slash Mike's Picks, you'll get the best promo codes and offers for you and it will sync to your location. Uh, and I highly recommend it. And it also shows me some support if you sign up through my page as well. All right, so that was enough of a breather. So let's go ahead and now switch on over, switch gears and talk about the wide receivers. All right, so the receiver position is the last one that we had to break down. Now, keep in mind, like I said at the start of the video, I'm not going to be able to break down every single situation here at the wide receiver position, but I'm going to try to hit all the notable ones and some of my favorite targets for this Saturday slate. And at the top of the board, we got to talk about Marvin Harrison Jr., a guy who I think is one of the best wide receiver prospects to come through college football in a long time. And to me, he's a super high upside play at a super high price tag that also carries slight risk. So Marvin Harrison Jr. was outstanding over the course of last season. But one thing that's kind of a red flag is that blowout wins were not necessarily like all hit for him. Like he had games against Rutgers and Wisconsin that were both 30 plus point victories where he had two of his worst games of the season against them. He had 7.5 and 12.2 points. However, also at the same time, in blowout wins against Arkansas State and Michigan State, he scored over 40 fantasy points. So you're looking at a guy who has incredible upside, but also does carry a little bit of risk because, hey, if Ohio State goes up 40 in the first half of this game and he doesn't get two touchdowns, you're probably not going to get value out of him. Now, I actually think Emeka Ibuka is a really solid pivot play. I think he is disproportionately priced below Marvin Harrison Jr. because he averages about 90% of the fantasy points of Marvin Harrison, but we're looking at about 70-ish percent of the price tag. I am a high school math teacher. I probably should be able to do that math in my head, but he's, he's about 70-ish percent of the price tag of Marvin Harrison. And he's I mean, he's 90% as good. So why not go for a guy who has shown over the course of his career the same exact upside Marvin Harrison has, except he's $1,700 cheaper and he's going to be much lower owned than Marvin Harrison Jr. So Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a little bit of what I call the Bijan Robinson effect, where when you're the top name on the board at your position, you're going to get clicked by a lot of people into their lineups. And so Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be highly owned, does have a lot of upside, Emeka Ibuka is not going to be as highly owned and has the same amount of upside, in my opinion. Now, I do want to talk about this Ole Miss situation because Zachary Franklin, who was a transfer from UTSA, is very questionable for this game. If he misses time, then it opens up opportunities for Trey Harris, who's a transfer from Louisiana Tech, and Jordan Watkins. Those two are listed as the other two starting receivers on the depth chart. It might also open up some workload for Franklin's backup, which is Braylon Brown, who doesn't have a whole lot of history, but 
It is a guy that is currently listed behind Zachary Franklin at that wide receiver position. So he might be a very cheap dart throw to look at in case Franklin does end up missing the game. Now, the Washington wide receivers are one of my favorite pairs to target because you've got Rome O'Dunes and Jalen McMillan who are both really, really solid. And they actually both like can be stacked together. Last season, like both of them had were routinely over 20 fantasy points a game. O'Dunes averaged over 20 fantasy points per game. But what's intriguing is they both got over 20 fantasy points in the same game twice. So there were two games last year where you could have played Penix, O'Dunes and McMillan all together, and you got value out of all three of those guys. I think that could possibly be a viable strategy again here this week. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think it's definitely a possibility. It, just because those two, they kind of like complement each other's skill set well. O'Dunes is kind of more of the down-the-field threat, whereas McMillan is more of a possession route runner type wide receiver. So I definitely think that the complementary skill sets that they have allows them to be a little more correlated than like just two guys who go deep all the time. Now, if you are looking for a pivot from one of those two, Jalen Polk is not a bad option. He had a solid season last year, but he is very clearly the third option out of this receiving core. But I definitely think if you're looking to cut ownership or cut costs and you still want to get a part of this Washington passing game, he might be an option to go with for that. Now, Oklahoma is another situation that we got to talk about because Oklahoma... We know that they got Marvin Mims drafted to the league, but they're not returning a whole lot of production from the wide receiver position. Drake Stoops is still going to be in the slot, and Jaleel Farouk is probably the leading returning wide receiver. But what happened is because he's the leading returning wide receiver, he got a huge price bump. He was never this expensive last season, not even close. And so me personally, I would rather play Andrell Anthony, who is listed as the starting wide receiver alongside Farouk, as opposed to play Farouk at a price tag that's almost $3,000 more expensive. Now, will that go out the window on Saturday if Farouk goes for three touchdowns? Yeah, but I think right now, talking in terms of lineup construction and just ways you can you know, attack the slate from different angles, I think I would rather play Anthony than Farouk this week because I think they should be priced a lot closer to even than they are. Now, Texas is a team that we got to talk about also. So they're returning pretty much their entire receiving core from last year and their entire passing game from last year, as a matter of fact. But, like, I kind of think that it's sustainable heading into this year. And But at the same time, there's also going to be a little bit more competition. So Xavier Worthy is like the college football version of Hollywood Brown. He's a guy who gets a lot of targets, and a lot of them are deep. The targets he gets that are not deep are set up off of his ability to go deep. So like a deep comeback or like a deep out where you have to respect his speed, those are kind of the ways he gets the ball. They also get him the ball on jet sweeps, screen passes, stuff like that to get the ball in his hands. So Worthy is probably still going to see a lot of targets, which means he's probably still going to be able to have himself a big game, especially considering that the type of targets he gets lend themselves to big games. But he's got competition now. A.D. Mitchell is transferring in from Georgia, and he didn't really do a whole lot last year for the Dogs. You know, he played in four games, but he's really talented. Like, 
really talented. And so, it, you know, if he does come into this Texas receiving core and hit the ground running, he might eat into Worthy's workload a little bit, but I think it's much more likely that he eats into the workload of Jordan Whittington and C.J. Kane. I think C.J. Kane, I'm sorry, Casey Kane. Why do I want to keep doing that with Texas, guys? Casey Kane is likely to not see much of the field this year with A.D. Mitchell and Jordan Whittington still being in the offense. Jatavion Sanders, though, is a guy who I think is going to be a very popular value play this week, but I think for very good reason. He was the Texas tight end last year who averaged 11 fantasy points per game, had himself some pretty big games along the way as well. But near the end of last season, he was over $5,000 on DraftKings. And here for week one, he's down to 3,700. I don't know why they have him priced so cheap when his role is going to be pretty much the same. I think he's a very logical value play this week here for this week one slate. Now, Boston College is an interesting one because we all know about Zay Flowers, right? Well, Zay Flowers is in the NFL now. Zay Flowers got targeted all the time last year. Like he was like the only piece of this passing offense that was any good last year for Boston College. So that vacates a lot of work for a lot of different guys. They have UCF transfer Ryan O'Keefe, who came in. He's priced at $6,100 on DraftKings. And then their other two starting wide receivers are Griffin and Tomlin. DraftKings does appear to have the pricing correct on those. And Boston College is projected to beat Northern Illinois in this game. They're projected to put up some points along the way. So I definitely could see one of these Boston College receivers taking advantage of all that vacated work from Zay Flowers and having themselves a big game and being a really solid contributor this season. Tennessee is another team that we got to talk about because, in my opinion, these are some of the most blatant misprices of the entire slate on DraftKings. And I think anybody who knows what they're doing is going to be playing at least one of these guys in their lineup. Which one? I don't know, but I think there's three obvious misprices. Squirrel White is the first one. So Squirrel White is a guy who didn't start last season for Tennessee, but he did get to start in the bowl game, which was against Clemson. And he played in the Jalen Hyatt role in that, you know, Tennessee um, Josh Heupel offense. And he had nine receptions for 108 yards and a touchdown, 28.8 fantasy points in that one game as a starter. Is that saying that he's going to do that every game as a starter? No. But is it saying that he's in a lucrative position and has shown us in a very small sample size that he can be productive? Yes. I really like Squirrel White for this slate. He should be priced much higher than 55 Brew McCoy is another one who is underpriced. Brew McCoy did start for this team last season and was productive over the course of the season, averaging 12 fantasy points per game. And I think he's due for a bigger target share. Just when you think about the absence of Cedric Tillman and Jaywin Hyatt, more targets have to go the way of Brew McCoy this year. And so the third starting receiver who you're going to see out there for the volunteers is Rommel Keaton. And again, kind of like McCoy and White, we just know that he's going to have targets coming his way. The absences of Tillman and Hyatt have to be filled by somebody. And even if Squirrel White ends up just taking all of the um, all of the J1 Hyatt targets, then you've got all the Cedric Tillman targets to be distributed between Brew McCoy and Ramel Keaton. And so you're going to see some production out of these Tennessee receivers. If Joe Milton is any good, these receivers are going to be good. I think it makes for a very obvious stack. If you play Joe Milton, you're going to want to get one or two of these wide receivers into your lineup. 
Now, looking down the board at some values and some potential situations we could target, the first one is the Kentucky guys. So Kentucky has a new quarterback this year, Devin Leary from NC State. He's pretty good. He might be more accurate than Will Levis. Um, And they've got two receivers that I think are explosive playmakers who you're going to see featured a lot, Barryon Brown and Tavion Robinson. And the third starting receiver is Dane Key. DraftKings did appear to get the pricing right on that one. Now, for like the deep value plays, I wouldn't mind going against some of the, um, like going with some of the weaker teams on this slate. They're going up against good teams that are not good at defense. So like an example of that would be, I kind of think there might be value in playing an Arkansas State guy going against Oklahoma. Oklahoma is not a great defensive team. Brent Venables wants to get them there. I don't think they're there yet. But the three start receivers for Arkansas State are Jackson, Foreman, and Rucker. Um, I would kind of, I don't know, there's a lot of question marks there, but if you're looking this far down the board, you're going to be looking to get guys who are low-owned and do have legitimate upside, and I think all three of these guys are going to fit that description. For West, or for not West Virginia, for Virginia going up against Tennessee, this Tennessee secondary is one that we targeted a lot last season, and they are going to be starting Fields, Washington, and Starlink are listed as the three starters for this Virginia Cavaliers offense. And so I kind of think that one of those guys has a chance to go off as well. Which one? I don't know because they weren't really used in the Virginia offense last year and Virginia's got a new quarterback this year. So I don't really have much of a say on which one is going to be the one that goes off. But I think all three of those guys have a pathway to going off against Tennessee. All right, so that does it for the wide receiver position, and that does it for the week one college football DFS preview for the Saturday main slate. If you like what you saw, please hit the like button on YouTube. It shows me some support and helps me out a lot. And hit the subscribe button because you'll be notified when new episodes drop, like our weekly golf, college football, and NFL episodes. So you can come back for the rest of college football season. If you hit that subscribe button, you'll see when all those episodes drop. Other than that, As a reminder, if you want to have some discussion with me, reach out on Twitter or join the Fantasy Corner Discord. Link is in the description. And if you want to see my full article with all of my picks and all my thoughts on the slate, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And if you're interested in trying any new DFS or sportsbook sites, signupexpert.com slash Mike's Picks. Link is in the description. All right, y'all. Hopefully, I will be able to be back here with y'all talking about the Saturday night slate. But as we talked about earlier in the video, If it doesn't happen, you guys know where I'll be. Hopefully, this will be a good weekend for my Texas Longhorns as well. But really, hopefully, this episode gave you guys enough information to win yourself some money on this big week one DFS slate. Thank you guys for watching, and I will see you next time. 